Hamas, the Palestinian militant group that controls the Gaza Strip, launched one of the broadest invasions on Israeli territory for 50 years. Israel has retaliated with large-scale airstrikes, resulting in the reported deaths of hundreds, possibly thousands, on both sides. Since this podcast is called Explaining Brazil, we will focus on how the war affects Brazil. Unless the war escalates to involve other players in the Middle East, such as Iran, the economic ripple effects on Brazil are expected to be limited. But the conflict puts Brazilian diplomacy in the spotlight, as the country heads the UN Security Council at the moment. If President Lula or his close advisors make controversial statements, like many of the comments they made on the Russian war in Ukraine, the Brazilian government could further deteriorate its political capital vis-à-vis -vis the international community. It's worth remembering that Western powers have heavily criticized the current administration for relativizing Russian aggression against Ukraine. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. If you like Explaining Brazil, you should subscribe to the Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We are an independent organization funded by our subscribers, and you can help us stay independent and continue to produce award-winning journalism. But if you are already a subscriber, you can go the extra mile and join our Buy Me A Coffee fan page. In return, you can get exclusive perks like special newsletters and behind-the-scenes content, as well as a shout-out here on our podcast. Today, I'd like to thank our Buy Me A Coffee members, Andre Novoseltsev, Tom Nolan, Marta Martins, Pan Ludwig, Leslie Seal, Caroline Hubert, Mark Hillary, John Thomas III, Luis Hens, Erwan Menez, Orlando Black, Steve Knapp, Aaron Berger, James Coney, Kars Vresvik, Alasdair Townsend, Peter Abrahamson, Jim Awofadeju, Michael Fryer, Miller Renacido, David Dixon, José Rosi Stankovic, Emerging Market Muser, Jordan Iftah, Tonika Thompson, Anderson da Silva, Kat Kramer, Peter Suffering, Anna Lund, and someone who chose to remain anonymous. And our Buy Me A Coffee members come from all over the world, so please, if we are butchering the pronunciation of your name, do send us an email. And if you too believe in the importance of independent journalism, and if you want to hear your name on our podcast, go to buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report to find out more. The economic ripple effects of the conflict between Israel and Hamas are yet to be determined. For the Brazilian government, though, the crisis brings an element of political risk to the table. President Lula has condemned terrorist attacks launched on Saturday, but did not mention Hamas by name. He has also defended a two-state solution for the Palestine-Israel feud. The right-wing opposition has urged a firmer stance from the government, but the biggest risk for Brazil may be on the global stage. 
To talk about how Brazilian diplomacy approaches the multiple crises in the Middle East, we invited Guilherme Casarões, an international relations professor at think tank Fundação Getúlio Vargas. Guilherme, I want to welcome back to the show, and if you can, please give us a brief rundown of Brazil's diplomacy towards Israel and Palestine. Has it changed a lot over the decades? Well, to be fair, I don't think it has changed so dramatically over time. Um, I even wrote an article about it back in 2014, uh, claiming that if you look at Brazil's diplomacy towards Israel and Palestine since the 1940s, when, uh, when Brazil presided over the session of the General Assembly that created, uh, that approved the resolution that created two states in historical Palestine, both a Jew state and an Arab state, Ever since then, Brazil has stood up for a, a two-state solution, as we, we usually call it. The idea that the Middle East will only be at peace if Jews can have a state of its own and Arabs can also have a state of their own. So um, the two-state solution has been the, the standard of Brazil's diplomacy towards the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Uh, there have been some clashes with Israel back in the 1970s, for example, when Brazil voted for Uh, United, United Nations Resolution 3379 that accused Zionism of being a form of racism and racial discrimination. That was 1975. But the, 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 big, uh, the big picture, the, the broad strokes of Brazil's diplomacy have always been um, the same, I'd say. And I would describe this as something that in English we have a good word for this, which is even-handedness. The notion that Brazil has always dealt with both sides Uh, on, on some sort of equal grounds. Why do we feel that it has changed over time? It, we, we feel like it because ever since uh, the Oslo agreements, the Oslo Accords back in the 1990s, Palestinians have stood up for their cause in a much more uh, explicit and vocal way. And of course, under uh, Lula, uh, during his, fir his first eight years in office, uh, Brazil was very, very much uh, in solidarity with the Palestinian cause. I must say, though, that it doesn't exclude Brazil's respect for the existence and for the well-being of the state of Israel. Uh, so Brazil has defended that Palestinians should have the right to a state, but at the same time, Brazil has... Uh, always advocated for peace in the Middle East with the existence of the state of Israel, a country that Brazil recognizes since the 1950s. So I'd say that the big U-turn that we have seen in Brazil's diplomacy towards the conflict has not been under Lula. Uh, we can talk more about Lula later on, but it has been under Bolsonaro, who was the first president who explicitly said that he would stand with Israel and that he would, he would leave no room to any negotiations with the Palestinians. Now, to your point, Bolsonaro also wanted to change the site of Brazil's embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And that's because for Brazilian evangelical Christians, the Jews are entitled to that sacred land, and they are one of the key constituencies for Bolsonaro, right? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I think that it all starts, uh, to be fair, some years before uh, Bolsonaro's Uh, rise to office. Uh, the first big crisis that Brazil and Israel uh, went through took place in 2010, 
uh, Lula, President Lula, who, uh, as we all know, uh, really uh, likes to travel. He likes to be a diplomat more than a president, uh, properly speaking. He he flew to Tehran uh, in mid-2010 to broker a nuclear agreement, a nuclear trade deal with Iran and, and Turkey. And that was seen by Israel as a big problem because uh, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, who was the Iranian president at the time, he had made statements saying that he wanted to see Israel being wiped, uh, wiped out of the map or denying the Holocaust. So that was the beginning of a crisis. And then we saw uh, an attempt of the Lula diplomacy to recognize the state of Palestine as, as a sovereign state. So um, this is also something that we have to take uh, into consideration, the notion that uh, by recognizing Palestine, Lula would somehow tip the balance in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict to the detriment of Israelis, uh, Israel's interests. So that was also seen as somewhat problematic. And then uh, when Rousseff was in office back in 2014, uh, Brazil's diplomacy uh, decided to criticize Israel for uh, an attack uh, on Gaza, and that has also created uh, a lot of diplomatic uh, turmoil between the two countries. And uh, that was the moment, 2014, when President Rousseff uh, was bombarded by criticism coming from the Evangelical Caucus in, in Congress. So uh, this is one important element of this entire discussion, the Evangelical uh, uh, the evangelical leadership has criticized Brazil for not taking sides with Israel since at least 2014 in a very organized and vocal fashion. And then came uh, President Bolsonaro. Uh, Bolsonaro knew quite well that he needed to uh, that he needed to reach out to evangelical Christians. Uh, they were part of his constituency. That's for that's for sure. Bolsonaro wanted to mimic Trump. He needed to emulate Trump's policies towards the Middle East. And one of the main uh, guidelines of his uh, policy orientations was to uh, to make the same promise as Trump had made to transfer the embassy to Jerusalem. The problem is that not only does it break with uh, Brazil's uh, traditional positions regarding the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, but it also goes against international law because Jerusalem is not recognized as uh, as part of uh, Israel uh, per se. Jerusalem is considered a, a a territory that is under international dispute since 1967. So by promising to transfer the embassy, Bolsonaro has given up on Brazil's uh, traditional uh, diplomatic lines, but also uh, on international law uh, more broadly. Now, we have Lula back in the presidency after 13 years away. That could give us a nice means of comparison. Um, do you think the president's views on the conflict have changed when measured against the last time he was in charge? Well, I, I think that the main difference right now is that uh, Lula is dealing with an Israeli government that is ruled by the far right. Uh, well, Netanyahu was already the prime minister back in 2009 when Lula was still in office for the first time. But back then, Netanyahu was seen as just a hawk, as just a, a right uh, a right wing liquid member. Uh, but he was not really seen as part of this global far right movement. And things have changed dramatically ever since then. So this is the one thing that I think that uh, Lula uh, has found 
uh, difference in this new reality of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. But all in all, I'd say that uh, Lula has uh, at least tried to maintain the very same positions that he used to have back in the in the early 2000s. The notion that, uh, well, we need to seek a two-state solution for the conflict, that we need to find ways uh, through the international community to mediate the conflict, and Brazil is always ready to help the world um, find a solution to, to this problem. So I don't think that uh, Lula's views on what's going on in the Middle East uh, have changed. The only thing is that now Lula uh, has to combine um, the conflict and how Brazil would position itself towards this conflict right now, especially after the terrorist attacks on uh, on Israel from, from Gaza, uh, with a number of other problems, which include Venezuela, which include the Russian-Ukrainian war, which include climate change. So um, I'd say that Middle Eastern affairs have moved a little bit down the list in the case of Lula's diplomacy. Now we have foreign policy advisor Celso Morin, who many see as Brazil's sort of de facto foreign minister. And he has made many pro-Palestine statements over the years. For instance, he was quoted in a recently published book saying that it is encouraging to see Hamas playing a central role in Palestine. He also said that Saturday attacks did not happen in a vacuum, but after years of, quote, violent and discriminatory policies from Israel. How do you see the first reactions from the Brazilian government and also from Lula's close entourage? Well, I, I think that the, the, the difficulty right now is to uh, bring together two different positions, uh, something that we didn't really see uh, over Lula's uh, first time in office. We have a party position. We have people from the Workers' Party who really see Hamas as a liberating force in Palestine, who believe that Hamas is a legitimate uh, party to this conflict and to everything that's going on in the Middle East. And on the other hand, we have the Brazilian diplomacy, which does not recognize Hamas, neither as a terrorist group, because Brazil has a guideline of only recognizing as terrorist groups those who have been labeled terrorist groups by the United Nations. So on the one hand, it's not a terrorist group to the eyes of Brazil. But on the other hand, it's not a legitimate political party to the discussion either. Uh, Brazil recognizes Palestine as a sovereign state. And Palestine is governed by the Palestinian Authority. Um, Hamas... It has been struggling uh, with uh, Fatah, who rules the Palestinian Authority for a long time, but uh, there's no consensus, not even within Palestine, as to whether Hamas is a legitimate uh, interlocutor in, in the conflict and in Palestinian politics. So uh, I think that it causes uh, a lot of, you know, a, a lot of buzz and a lot of problems when, when Brazil, for example, is making statements about what's going on in, in the region. Because uh, we have to notice, for example, that the, the Brazilian diplomacy, Tamarachi, doesn't mention Hamas by the name. And that's probably why it doesn't want to uh, single out Hamas as part of the problem, or it doesn't want to recognize Hamas as something different from Palestine. And that's the, that's the, the, the big challenge that we have right now. Um, and because positions have become more radicalized with time, I really find it difficult for the Workers' Party right now to bring together these two positions. 
because either the Brazilian diplomacy recognizes Hamas as a legitimate party, uh, including from a diplomatic uh, and political point of view, or uh, they condemn Hamas as uh, a terrorist group. And Itamaraty has chosen to to take the the middle ground, uh, which is uh, the one of omitting the name of Hamas in all the the public statements made by the ministry, made by uh, Lula's entourage, as you mentioned. And this, of course, is subjected to much criticism uh, in in Brazil's media among Brazilian politicians. And criticisms come from both sides, really. I mean, there are people who say that uh, Brazil should condemn Hamas by its name, and there are people who say that uh, Brazil should uh, consider Hamas um, not guilty of whatever's going on in Israel right now. So I think it's a very complicated thing, but it reveals the very, the deep complexities of the whole situation uh, in Israel and uh, in Palestine right now. We have already seen political bickering on the issue in Brazil. Uh, for instance, São Paulo mayoral frontrunner Guilherme Boulos has lost some important endorsements after he too issued a statement condemning the violence but without mentioning Hamas. And there has also been plenty of right-wing misinformation campaigns suggesting that Lula has donated money to Hamas. Why this is such a big cultural issue given that Brazil has never been too involved in the issue? Well, in a deeply polarized societies, um, identity issues become very salient. And one of the features of Brazilian politics nowadays is that uh, people mobilize specific symbols to somehow signal to who they are and what they want. And Israel has become very deeply a part of uh, Bolsonaro's political identity. So the far right in Brazil, or even uh, more moderate right-wingers who support Bolsonaro, they have waved Israel flags for almost four years. And even in Bolsonaro's rallies, you could see Israel flags uh, being waved here and there. So um, as part of this dichotomy, some left-wing groups, uh, including members of the Workers' Party and members of the Socialism and, and Freedom Party, PSOL, uh, they are always waving Palestinian flags. Uh, as a means to uh, to show that they are in favor of the causes of the Palestinians. They are um, in favor of the ones who are suffering with everything that's going on. So I think that um, somehow uh, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict became a proxy for uh, whichever political positions these groups are are trying to signal. So that's that's why we are seeing so much noise coming from uh, a faraway conflict and it, it's impact it's impacting directly on the political dynamics of the country right now. I don't think though, just as a as a last remark, I don't think it's going to change anything in the municipal elections in Brazil, for example. I, I do think, though, that uh, on a national level, these issues are going to be more and more politicized by both sides. One of Lula's main objectives since returning to the presidency has been to try and show the world that, quote, Brazil is back. And that means having a prominent role on the global stage after the pariah status that we had during the Bolsonaro government. But Lula has slipped up multiple times with his messaging on the Ukraine war. So what 
would be the risk of him displeasing the international community and more specifically Western allies on the issue of Israel and Palestine? Well, I, I think that the situation in Israel and Palestine right now is not as, uh, you know, black and white, is not as clear cut as the one in Russia and Ukraine. Because in the case of Ukraine, you had the entire West uh, joining forces uh, against Russia and backing uh, up Ukraine and, and Zelensky. So um, this is not what happens in the case of Israel. Of course, many Western countries have uh, been in solidarity with Israel, been con they, they, they condemned uh, what Hamas did. But uh, there's a lot of ambiguity going around, especially when it comes to you know, taking responsibility and who's to blame. So I don't think that Lula's positions will cause the same degree of dissatisfaction uh, among Western partners as the ones that he made again, uh, about Russia and Ukraine. So I don't see it as a problem. Um, what I see, though, is that Lula, he, well, he, he wants a diplomatic breakthrough. He wants a big accomplishment. He wants to leave a legacy. And foreign policy, he knows that, Foreign policy is one of the best uh, policy arenas where he can actually make a difference. And I, I truly thought uh, as early as uh, the electoral season last year that if Lula got elected, he would try to leave a diplomatic legacy regarding Venezuela and climate change, because these were the two closest things that Lula could actually address and deal with uh, in a in a, a, a better position fashion. Uh, but then the war on Ukraine uh, kept on going and Lula had to, to make statements about it. And of course, it was a trap in the beginning. Lula didn't really have much room to change his mind about some positions. He tried to find a middle ground as well. Uh, but so far, it's, it's, it's been very hard for him to find uh, uh, an equilibrium position regarding Ukraine. Um, when it comes to Israel, well, uh, that might be another opportunity for Lula to to exert some diplomatic clout, especially because Lula himself, uh, as I said before, he wants to be his own uh, his own foreign minister uh, at times. He is very active internationally. He has traveled a lot uh, for a 77, 78 year old president. He has traveled uh, numerous times during his first few months in office. So I really think that now, if Lula wants to find uh, one issue uh, which he knows a lot about and which he can actually try uh, and make a difference, that would be the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Not, of course, by uh, trying to solve uh, the conflict uh, by his own hands. And this is something that he said back in 2010 when he visited Israel, and he was terribly received by the Israeli audience at the time. But we have to remember that Brazil, well, it's an important interlocutor of both Israel and the Palestinian Authority, that Brazil is part of the BRICS. And together in the BRICS, now we have Saudi Arabia and Iran, who are either directly or indirectly involved in the conflict. So I think that there are many possibilities, and Brazil presides over the, the Security Council right now. So I, I think that these things uh, all together they create a situation where Lula can actually try to flex uh, Brazil's muscles, Brazil's diplomatic muscles, to find uh, at least a temporary solution for the problem there. Guilherme, thanks for coming back to the show. It's always interesting to have your thoughts. Gustav, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for inviting me. 
Guilherme Casarões is an international relations professor at Think Tank Fundação Getúlio Vargas. If you like Explaining Brazil, please give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It only takes a second and it will help us reach a wider audience. Or better yet, you can subscribe to the Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We have a subscription-based business model and your memberships fuel our journalism and keep us going and growing. Thanks to our subscribers, we have been able to cover Brazil and Latin America extensively, and our work has won and been shortlisted for several international journalism awards. More recently, our newsletters won the best newsletter prize in the Americas from the World Association of Newspapers and News Publishers for a small or local newsroom. In order to keep doing that work, we need your support. Go to brazilian.report slash subscribe. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening. Explaining Brazil will be back next week. 